Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Mann. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms. And on YouTube, like and subscribe there as well. We continue our quest to find out more information about all the candidates that the Raptors are considering for the head coaching vacancy currently. And we go to the Memphis Grizzlies. And to talk to me about that, uh, DeMichael Cole of Commercial Appeal covering the Grizzlies there. And also you can find them locked on Grizzlies, the podcast. Great stuff all around. How are you, man? How are you? I uh, I know that there's some some news yeah. has happened that's been keeping you busy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was yeah. just get I was just about to kick my feet up, man, and get in off season mode, and then boom, you know, more news. Uh, the news yeah. cycle never stops around here, so all good no, though. No, yeah. no. Just so everyone's clear, the uh, the news is that Delon Brooks, under no circumstances, that's a quote, will be back with the Memphis Grizzlies. So I guess there's going to be a parting of ways. Why that's happening? What side? Who knows? But all we know is that Delon Brooks will not be back. Damn. Tough season for you guys. And he's also uh, uh, one of the teams on Bovada right now. Matter of fact, the uh, favorite on Bovada right now is uh-huh. Toronto Raptors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah um, I, I don't know. They they could definitely use some more perimeter defense. That's that's no question. Yeah. Uh, you know they have plenty of wings, but you know guarding the perimeter, point of attack defense has been a problem for them. It was a huge problem yeah. last season. A couple of guys uh, eh, took a little step back in that category. But uh, is it Delon Brooks? I don't know. A Canadian kid coming back home. That sounds kind of cool. Do you think the Grizzlies regret not pursuing OG on an OB just a little bit more, a little bit more at the deadline? I mean, they try. They try. They try. And... Yeah, three picks is a lot. Yeah, so I, I think uh, they can live with that because the theme in Memphis, they will always say this. This is yeah. from the front office uh, general manager, Zach Klein. He says, hey, we, we're aggressive in terms of seeking deals, but we're only going to do things that make sense to us. So yeah. once the deal starts not to make sense, then they do not operate in any way, shape, or form out of desperation. So mm. I feel like they're comfortable with leaving a deal on the table if they feel like it's too much uh, going out than coming in. You know, the Raptors are similar in a way, too, that they have a lot of homegrown players that they like a lot and they believe in them. And, you know, it would take a lot for them to be traded. As we saw, the asking price for OG Ananobi was substantial. Um, And I'm sure it's been the same with other players as well in the past. And even Masai after the deadline and everyone's kind of asking, like, why didn't you do anything? He's like, you know, I'm getting all these calls about these players on my team. I'm starting to think maybe they're not that bad. And so we decided to keep them all. But anyways, Nick Nurse gets fired. Here we are. And one of the candidates that's been rumored for the Toronto Raptors head coaching vacancy, as I mentioned, Darko Rykovic, um, who is kind of like a basketball whisperer from my mild <laughs> mild research on him. But, I mean, you wrote some, some stuff on him, and uh, you obviously have a lot of information that uh, the people would love to hear. So please, just off the bat, why do you think the Raptors are interested in him possibly being their next head coach? I mean... He, I knew this day would come sooner or later for him because he mm. he has he has the intangible part of it. You know, he's a basketball guy through and through. He's one of those coaches. You know, Nick Nurse in a way, Taylor Jenkins, a lot of these coaches now where they just make their way uh, through like coaching school as he, he as he was. You know, he just yeah. he just basically said, "Hey, I'm going to be a coach." And he just learned through the system of how to become a coach, got a couple opportunities, worked his way up through the D League, G League developmental system. And now he's the lead lead assistant for the Grizzlies. So he's kind of worked his way up just coaching all the way through. A very charismatic guy. And every time I see him, he stops 
uh, shakes my hand. Hey, how you doing? Uh, just the little things like that. You know, you every assistant coach isn't that way. But yeah. Darko goes out of his way uh, to, to create those relationships with people. Uh, it's very genuine with him. We we got him actually as the lead uh, coach uh, for, I want to, I don't remember how many games it was. I want to say maybe three or four games last season. You remember when the COVID protocols and everything was going on. Mm-hmm. Taylor Jenkins also had a family situation. So uh, there was a period where Taylor was out and Darko kind of stepped in and um uh, He's a good guy. Uh, one word that the and we'll we'll talk about this more, uh, yeah. you know, as, as the episode goes on here. But uh, the word that he loves to use is swag, and the players laugh I so much. I saw that. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. They. Oh, and, and they 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 laugh all of they like if you say <laughs> something, you say the word swag. Uh, they'll say, "Oh, Darko must told you that," or, or because it's kind yeah. of his it's his buzzword, you know, uh, with yeah. the team. The Grizzlies do play with a lot of swag. So, I mean, clearly there's been an influence there on the team. Yep. And um, just going off some of the articles that I read that you you wrote about him, like the it seems like he has his, his footprint on a few of the players. Desmond Bain, uh, Jaron Jackson, Zaire Williams, all these guys, you know, have, have to give you know some credit to Darko on their development and where they are. And he also, he wrote um, an academic journal on the evolution of the pick and roll. That's pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> Yeah, he 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 comes from that school. Like, yeah, uh, you you when you think when you think uh, international basketball uh, and and the things that are kind of prioritized uh, where you're talking about passing uh, we, in America, it's the point five system, right? Uh, with Mike Bootenholzer, Money Williams runs it now. Uh, Taylor Jenkins emphasizes point five basketball, but you look at Darko. It's very yeah. you talk about the pick and roll. He's very fond of the pick and roll. But it's not a, a a dry pick and roll, so to speak. It's not, hey, pound the ball in uh, Lucas' hands for 15 seconds, and then you try to manipulate a switch, and then yeah. you just attack that. It's pick and roll, create mismatch, find that mismatch, and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's very quick into getting into situations. A very smart guy. I um, I thoroughly enjoyed for the for the small period of time where he was the acting head coach uh, last season, and we got to talk to him. Uh, for that time period, thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. Yeah. It's revealing how different the Grizzlies play when John Morant is on the court versus off. Yeah. It's like two different teams almost. It is. It is. Because uh, with John, the pick and roll is more heavy. Whereas yeah. uh, without John. Naturally, too. It makes sense. Like you have a downhill yeah. guy like him. He is the play. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're getting to the strength of your guys, you know, at the end of the day uh, in that situation. So uh, with Tyus, you, why would you do more pick and roll when he, you know, it's not his game getting downhill, getting into the teeth of the defense. He's not this super athlete like Ja where he's going to do reverse layups over seven mm. footers and things like that. That's John Moran. Tyus Jones is more, hey, let's move the ball around. Let's, let's uh, you know, attack, dribble drive, get guys open, uh, run our sets and things like that. And uh, Darko is a, is a big part of, of why those things work. Um, I'm sure you probably read, but uh, Taylor Jenkins leans on him so much. There are so many times just throughout a game, uh, you know, I, my seat is right there, courtside, right, pretty much right to the right of the Grizzlies bench. And there's so many times. Uh, okay, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, right? But you, you you get a lot of things in that seat. And, and one of those things is uh, Taylor Jenkins sometimes, uh, when he's standing up, Darko will come right over there, you know, in the coaching box, right, right where he is. And he'll whisper in his ear, bark something out. Sometimes he'll do it directly to the players. 
but yeah. it's him more than any other coach. Uh, Darko is very active. At the end of the day, you look at the Grizzlies, he's very active in what this team is doing and what they have done. Man, our media seats are in the 600 level, and also there's a oh. section on the 100 level um, at Scotiabank yeah. Arena. So courtside seats, okay. That's yep. impressive. That's pretty yeah, good. That's some <laughs> of the best in the business, as, as people told me. Uh, yeah, some yeah. of the best seats in the NBA. For the 100%. 100%. So you mentioned Taylor Jenkins already. Um, like you, that little nugget you just mentioned about, you know, him always being in the ear of uh, of Taylor. But outside yep. of that, you know, when it comes to just what Taylor has communicated with you guys, with the media about Darko, what is he saying and how has he leveraged him? I guess. Great. They're great friends, for one. Yeah. And, and when I say they're great friends, it's it's on the court, it's off the court. Mm. Uh, he is, the, he's the direct right hand to Taylor. Uh, when Taylor's trying to figure something out, uh, Darko's the right guy. He's the first guy that's just going to come up there on the bench. Uh, they talk through things. Uh, Darko is very big in the game planning, in the film room. Uh, he's a very big, big part of that as well. And then his hands, and I think, you you know, you wanted to get to this too. Uh, his hands are directly tied to uh, the development of some of the, the biggest key players on the Grizzlies. Yeah, let's get there right now. So the names I mentioned, Jaron Jackson, um, Desmond yep. Bain, of course, and uh, Zaire Williams. There's some quotes here I got from, I think it was your story, where yep. uh, there's one from Zaire. His basketball knowledge is very good, especially on the offensive end. His schemes and the way he reads the game is pretty different. I haven't seen it before, honestly. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's what you get, right? So let's focus on those two guys before we get yeah. to Jaron, because it's a little different. And with Jaron... There are some things he can really, if we're talking Toronto, there are some things he can unlock with Siakam that he's really done uh, with Jaren, kind of in a similar uh, sort of role oh, there. Oh, you're speaking but, my language now. Yeah, keep going, I, I, yeah, keep going, keep going. Yep, so yep, yep. We, we, we can start there. We'll start with Jaren and we'll get to the guy. So with Jaren, it's kind of unlocking more of that guard in his game. You know, Jaren has the skill set, like like Pascal Siakam does. He mm-hmm. Uh, as as a guy who had, in Jaren's case, he's 6'10", 240-plus pounds. Uh, Jaren has always been very fluid, but the the words you hear when you think of Jaren, uh, all the way since he was back in, in college, are raw in potential. I remember once upon a time, those words were, you know, used pretty much with, with Siakam when he was a little bit younger, too. I sure. guess you could say he's more seasoned now. And that's kind of where Jaren has, has gone in the last two seasons. So when you talk about Jaren, there's a part of his game now where he can be the ball handler in a pick yeah. and roll. They don't do it a lot, but but there's there's so certain things uh, that he's working on there this year, especially towards the latter part of the season. He got a lot better in reading double teams and reads because that's kind of been a weakness in his game. Uh, just the playmaking standpoint of it. That's where Darko, uh, his his toolage has really helped Jaren. And you look at this these last couple years, but this season in particular. Jared's two-point percentage, uh, two-point field goals was at a career high. And then just how he's playmaking off of those opportunities improved. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is 
absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah. And under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Uh, and when I say improved, it's still not a strength of his, but there are noticeable changes where you can say, hey, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, when you get to Dez and Zaire, that's where the biggest uh, example of Darko's influence is. So the Grizzlies do this thing. Uh, a couple years ago, they did it with Dez. Dez came into the draft. I'm sure you remember he was basically known as Shooter, one of the top shooters in the draft. It's why he fell to the 30th pick in the draft because no one knew this rebounding guard who's going to push the tempo who could play make none of that was i guess uh strengths in his draft profile sure well he gets to memphis rookie year he's doing exactly pretty much what you think a lot of spot up three-point shooting and things like that in the summer he came to summer league darko took him under his wing and it was it was tough uh des mm. des had what he called a lot of uncomfortable moments and darko mm. just challenged him it was a lot of times it was just those two and uh, really? the emphasis was the playmaking. The emphasis was reading. Uh, and the emphasis was, hey, you need to become a better secondary playmaker uh, alongside of John Moran. So look at his numbers over the last two seasons, how he's grown. Uh, last yeah, season, man. Desmond Bain uh, really took that jump where it's like, okay, this is a really good starting two guard in the league. Yeah. This past season, where he averaged over 21 points, uh, basically on a bad foot for most of the season, over four and a half assists, almost doubled his assists. Uh, from the previous year. Now there's real playmaking there. I think he had a stretch uh, maybe in March when Ja was out, but Ja was there for some of that stretch. He had a stretch, I think it was like five, six games consecutive where he had mm-hmm. 20 points, five assists as the secondary playmaker. So this isn't, you know, primary guy, but there are situations now, especially this season where the Grizzlies uh, sometimes games, you mentioned it, when Tyus Jones starts, uh, Desmond Bain becomes the backup point guard. They staggered yeah. him. So he, he starts the game at two guard, and then when Tyus goes out, he moves over to the mm. point guard position, and all of that is Darko. Same thing is what they've kind of tried to do with Zaire, and it's still kind of unfolding there because Zaire, again, different prospect than Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain played four years in college, came in a little bit more season. Zaire sure. was a 19-year-old kid. I think Zaire's 20, just turned 21 uh, not too long ago. So – it's a little bit different of the progression, but last last summer league, uh, the Grizzlies just threw the ball in his hands. Said mm. here, uh, they made Zaire clearly he's not going to play point guard for the Grizzlies. But again, it's the Darko influence. Is how you know he wants. You talk about the pick and roll. He just know how to read, it's, right? Know how to read defenses. Exactly. Sure. You he doesn't want one or two guys on the floor. Say, hey, these are our two guys that can play pick and roll. Everyone else step out, space the floor. He says, no, I won't. I want John Morant to be able to do it. I want Dez to be able to do it. I want Zaire Williams to be able to do it. I want Jared yeah. Jackson Jr. to be able to do it. And Steven Adams is setting those screens. But you want the other four guys in that lineup to be able to have the ball in their hands and be able to play on and off the ball. That's kind of one of those traits that he'll give you. That's beautiful. I should have given a warning to Raptor fans before the Desmond Bain stuff because that's a sour spot for, for fans around here, knowing that they could have had him and that was the year that they took Ooh, Malachi Flynn instead. That's where they took Malachi Flynn. Oh, yeah. Buddy, it comes up every couple months, I swear. 
comes up every few months that this they could have had Desmond Bain. But to your point, I mean, the Raptors, yeah. like, you know, Pascal Siakam is one point, but players like Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, them yeah. understanding how to be secondary playmakers because they're not always going to be on ball. Or even like I was looking at the Clippers, um, and unfortunately, you know, they they lost to the Suns, but had they been healthy, had Kawhi been healthy, I think they probably would have beat them. And there was a moment where I'm, I'm looking at the court, I'm like, they got five guys that can run pick and roll right now on the court. That's yeah. crazy to me, man. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's it's, that's it's, the future, kind of, right? That's that's where we are. I mean, you you want the bigs to uh, to become, you know, more versatile within today's games because that's mm-hmm. what we're seeing. You're seeing a lot of a big men who are ball handling and things like that, yeah. but we're also seeing a lot of you know dribble handoffs and things where where the big men are pretty much at the top of the key, dribbling around. They're making these passes mm-hmm. where our guards are cutting back door and things like that. Uh, and Darko again. With the Grizzlies, with, with you know guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. and, and with Dez yeah. from the cutting perspective, Desmond Bain and Stephen Adams had a very good rapport as a, 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 a as a cutter. So yeah. uh, I mean, he is a he's a very big part of what uh, this team has done. Darko, that is. Yeah, and cutting has been a big part of what the Raptors are trying to do within their current offensive philosophy. Uh, however, I mean, I, I've said it a few times on on these podcasts, you know, we're talking about the future coaches or who could be future coaches on the Raptors. The the cutting was good, but it could have been a lot better. And their half-court offense had some legs to it, but there could definitely could have been more movement, more off-ball movement, and also understanding how to cut. You know, it's a valuable skill, knowing how to cut, knowing mm-hmm. how to be that, uh, that second side uh, action yep. and understanding how to manipulate defenses when you don't have the ball. It's really, really important. And for the Raptors, when they have so many like-sized players and some of them, you know, aren't the best yep. shooters right now, being able yeah. to cut and read like a little bit faster means everything. So that's actually, that's very exciting. If he were to become the coach of the Raptors, I yeah. think he'd be able to really have a lot of fun with, you know, an OG, a Scotty Barnes, especially a Scotty Barnes. He's an open book right now. So much potential. Yeah. Uh, the kind of the world is his oyster. He's going to be, you know, during, during the offseason, he's going to be working on, you know, several different parts of his, of his game, but someone like him, um, I think could really help. Perfect, uh, Perfect example. Know? Yeah. Perfect example right there. Scotty is the, the perfect example. Uh, from afar, I remember mm-hmm. uh, when he came in the league, uh, you knew he had the the potential to to do, you know, the, the points, the rebounds, assists, and yeah. kind of be an all-around guy. And that's kind of what, in Darko's mind, you know, that's kind of where his toolage shows, again, with Desmond Bain. It's sure. what he's working on the most uh, with Zaire Williams. And and that, you know, a guy like Scotty Barnes, I, I could see him, you know, relishing mm-hmm. in that role. How does he? How is he with players? Player coach relationships. How how does that go? I could see, you know, just going off what you're saying, that um, yeah. there could be some tough conversations. But you know, if yeah. if in the end you are helping this person reach their full potential, most players are okay with that. And that's all it comes down to. Yeah, you know, Zaire, I don't think Zaire had fun playing that point guard position in summer league sure. when he's coming past half court dribbling the ball, you know, and like looking down at the ball and sometimes having turnovers and things like that, but they weren't going to stop. Same thing with Desmond Bain. He's turning mm-hmm. the ball over. And he's like, man, just let me go back to shoot car. No, yeah, no, it's, it's uncomfortable from that perspective, but when the results start to show, uh, that's when, you know, you get real excited, but uh, the players love, him. again, mm-hmm. his buzzword is swag. So I like that so when, much. when you, when yeah. you hear the Grizzlies, uh, you, we talk about the confidence of the Grizzlies. I'm sure you know you guys have heard about the trash talking, and everyone hears it, right? In, in the locker room, the coaches, Taylor Jenkins is, 
you know, the speaker for the Grizzlies. So he, yep. he says, oh, it's our swag. It's our confidence. But it's Darko who's kind of using that word in the practices a little sure. bit more. So it's kind of Taylor is kind of the speaker for Darko from that perspective as well. Because, uh. again, the players, it, when they talk about – the players don't say swag as much. They kind of, they kind of like uh, use it as like uh, Darko's a little outdated. You know, because yeah, it's like when a dad, if a dad says swag, right? It's kind of like that. That's exactly (laughs) how it's exactly how they view it. So, but it's a it's a fun thing to them. That's cool, man. Anything else you want to mention about him? This has been terrific. Yeah, Uh, he's a like again, he's a basketball uh, through and through type of guy. Think of those, you know, those Taylor Jenkins who started off as an intern with the Spurs, or Mm -hmm. or Eric Spolstra who was a a video guy with the Heat who worked his way up. and I, I can't tell you how successful he would be because, again, this is his first time as a lead guy in this role. And he's doing it with Taylor Jenkins, who's also a first time head coach. Yeah. So there's kind of a, a nice learning curve with both of these guys here. But I tell you what, uh, I said it last year when we saw Dez take that next leap. I, I thought immediately uh, the jump that Desmond Bain took and the fact that Darko's hands are immediately tied to that. Uh, that's how assistant coaches kind of take those leaps and get those opportunities. And the guard play in Memphis overall, uh, yeah. it, there are other assistant coaches as well. You know, Scooney Penn is one who works closely with Jai and Tyus, but mm-hmm. it's the secondary guards. You know, it's the Desmond Baines and and it's the Zaire Williams. Those type of guys, their development is kind of tied to Darko. And that's that's going to be, you know, his, his calling card to an NBA head coaching job. For others who have been um, following this, uh, this is one episode I've done, but I've done a few others on other coaches who are candidates for the Raptors job, but uh, Kevin yeah. Young of the Phoenix Suns, um, yeah. I cited an article from Kev- Kevin Arnovitz on, you know, in 2022, he did this article on future NBA coaches, the up and coming coaches, and Kevin Young was on there and so was Darko. He was on there as well. Um, he's an up and comer and probably more than anything, he's probably arrived in some capacity. Has he had interviews yet with anyone? Uh, not to my knowledge. I, yeah. I do. I, I just know that up to this point, Darko has has been pretty much loved in Memphis. I know last year Taylor said that he he's a future head coach. Sure. You know they they're very excited about his potential. I know Taylor is is the guy who is probably the happiest that he's getting yeah. interviewed uh, for jobs now. But uh, but yeah, this was great, man. Uh, thanks so much once again. DeMichael Cole, Commercial Appeal, covering the Grizzlies there, beat writer, and also Locked on Grizzlies. You can get all your information from there. Hopefully, Delon Brooks lands somewhere and he's happy. I'll put it that way. Hopefully, things work out for him. And uh, I'm excited for your team. I mean, again, if you had Steven Adams in that Lakers series, it's probably a different outcome, I think. He was sorely missed. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you know more about this team than I do. You seem a little no, bit no, unsure. I, no, 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 no. no I, I say it's fair because I only said that because when I said exactly what you said, uh, people from the Lakers side say, oh, it's excuses and oh, injuries happen. But you're you're right. Uh, Dylan, I mean, not Dylan, uh, Stephen Adams, uh, the rebounding perspective is is clearly Anthony Davis was the most dominant player yeah. in the series. And that shifts a little bit. Think Kavon Lutley, DeMontis Sabonis there. That's kind mm-hmm. of the Stephen Adams impact. He's not the flashy guy but he can kind of make things murky for a lot of these talented big men. 100%, man. You talk pick and roll, John Morant, Steve Adams. That pick and roll is a problem. Um, Yeah. But again, thanks, man. This was awesome. Uh, So much knowledge. I learned a lot about the fellow. I'm excited about him. Yeah, appreciate you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, appreciate you. No problem.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.